Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When it comes to expert soccer analysts in the United States... One of the best is Craig Burley. The Scot, who moved to the US five years ago to work for ESPN, calls it the way he sees it. Love him or hate him, he's must-see television and always has an interesting take on the topics that matter in this game. Kartik and I had a chance to sit down with Craig to get more insight into the work he does. Here's our interview with Craig Burley that was recorded in a hotel in downtown Miami. So Craig Burley's with us. Uh, Craig, the ESPN FC show during the World Cup was lightning in a bottle. It was uh, indispensable for some of us, like myself, uh, who value some sort of critical analysis in their commentary. Uh, you're working with Robbo. You're working with Maca. You've got Stevie Nichol, Alejandro Moreno, the usual cast of characters. Shaka coming through the... All the, uh, all the journalists. Yeah. Well, we've got, we got a very variety of journalists coming on as well so but it seemed like you and Robbo played off each other well that was that was a fun dynamic yeah I try and play off most people you maybe have, <laughs> you probably have noticed that but uh, yeah like, I mean I've known Stuart for, for quite a while uh, I've known Marker for quite a while because we, we were chatting about this earlier we worked together at Satan so we played against each other he Marker scored that uh, fabulous equaliser in a UEFA Cup game for Liverpool at Celtic Park uh, I think back in '97, so I still remind him of that. But but Stuart's from kind of a slightly different era, you know. So don't <laughs> she's slightly older, not much, but he's from a different era. But good broadcaster, good commentator. I think a well-rounded guy. And and one of the things Kartik about the show is is and, and the way I work in TV, and maybe I'll get heated, and maybe things will get animated. But for me, they never get personal. And I think when you let it become personal, an argument or a debate, then you've got a problem. And I don't really think any of the guys let a disagreement. Even though it may sound and look... I mean, we see it on Twitter. People who say, how, oh, how, have you guys made up yet? And like, we've never <laughs> fallen out. Have you and Marcotti made up? Have you and Dan made up? I've never fallen out with these guys. I've known, them. I've known Marcotti 20 years. You know, and I've... You know, He's a did, Chelsea fan, so he should, she yeah, should remember you. <laughs> yeah, I first met him in a bar in Glasgow at some hotel, and uh, you know, Gab and I have different opinions on lots of things, but we're not we're not falling out over over an opinion. This uh, World Cup was interesting on ESPN FC because you cover European football during the course of the year, European club football. Yeah. You watch a lot of football. Um, that helped inform your analysis of the tournament. It, it seemed like you and. Uh, Robo, Maka, uh, Shaka, etc., were more comfortable analyzing the tournament because you'd seen most of these players during the course of their club seasons. Whereas other networks that were covering this competition maybe did not have that uh, that benefit. Yeah, I mean, obviously we didn't have the rights to it, but we made the best of what we had. Uh, clearly, there was it was disconcerting for some that the US weren't there. Yeah, you know, and I can understand. I understand that, but. Uh, from our perspective, I mean, obviously it's difficult when you're covering Iran and teams like that because you don't see a lot of these players. But in general, we, you know, we are aware of 
a, a big bulk of the players. You're watching the games, obviously three games a, a day coming in, and and you're able to get in. I, I really found, even though having covered World Cups, you know, 2010 for ITV Sport with John Champion, we commentated in a lot of games. Uh, 2014 with ESPN, although I wasn't a big part of what they were doing back then. But I, I really found this World Cup was easy to get into. And I think that makes a difference, you know. To, you know, It's a better World Cup to begin with. Yeah, so, it was a, so a good World Cup makes the analysis, or it makes your job easier because you, you're, you're sort of bubbly and you, you go there and think, right, we've got something to talk about again, rather than, oh, we've got to fit, otherwise the mindset is we're filling time. We never felt during this World Cup that we were filling time. We always felt there was a story from what, you know, from the Italians not qualifying to the US not qualifying to Lopetegui being sacked yeah. just before the tournament. Thought, this is great. You know, it's just, it's great. It's not great for Spain, but it's great drama for people like us. Yeah, in fact, uh, those days, those two or three days leading up to the tournament, Dan Thomas said, well, we want to preview the tournament. We want to preview the opening tournament, but we have Sid Lowe. We have to talk to Lopetegui. And you're spending uh, 15 minutes of the half an hour talking about that. Yeah, and uh, it, it just was an interesting story. I mean, we, it's, uh, <laughs> we always laugh. We've got very good journalists, but uh, sometimes we get them on, and, I, and, and I'll say, "Oh, why, why the hell have we got these journalists on again?" Start moaning at them, and uh, oh, he's talking too long, and all this kind of thing. But we have good. We have, you know, Raf covers Germany, Julian France, and you know, Paolo Bandini comes on, Sid Lowe comes on from Spain. Gab's on covering a, a host of different topics, uh, usually try to squeeze in financial fair play, uh, into, <laughs> and then usually saying, I know Craig hates this, but I'm going to mention it anyway. Uh, and so we have, a, we have a variety of people to hopefully that Steve Pelosi, our boss, can, uh, can sort of call upon, which is, which is quite handy for us having these glow points uh, around about. So yeah, that got us off to a good start, and then <laughs> the football just took over with day after day of storylines. Daily prep for the show, not just during the World Cup, but during the course of the European club season. What's it like? Because you work, you don't work the Sunday show, but you work the rest of the week for the most part. And you have a different set of, you always have, you have different co-commentators, co, uh, different, and then Dan Thomas most days, but some days you have Seb, some days you have Adrian Healy. Yeah, I like Seb and Herrick, but, you know, Seb, they've just started in this job. And it's a big learning curve, and uh, but the two of them are so easy to wind up. Yeah. You know, it's like I just, I think, yeah, Concacaf or Mexico or the US, and then, and then off they go. So I, I don't think they've worked out that we do it intentionally now. Yeah. Just, to, just. Shaka <laughs> the winds them up too. Uh, yeah, I tell you what, you, but now there is a laid back man. You hardly see, uh, you hardly see the when you see the big man Shaka angry. You know, like. You know, the finger was pointing at Gab the other week. But uh, in terms of the show, I might be doing Sundays now uh, because of our switch to ESPN+. Plus. Ah. So our, uh, probably not. Uh, Steve Palazzi is great with me. He'll, he generally gives me the option. Uh, so I've, I've, uh, he's very flexible with me. Um, the Sunday show might change because it's it's recorded now at a, what I would call a normal time. So they probably, the boys probably record that at 4 or 5 o'clock now on a Sunday where it was it used to be... 11 o'clock 11 or 12 and the reason for that was because of all the highlights coming in and and I won't lie to you that's the reason I didn't do it it was was two reasons was one it completely stuffs your day because you know I'll like I'll watch golf on a Sunday and I'll have a beer you spend time with your family or you do whatever and then the show itself was very highlights driven on a Sunday night highlights from Mexico highlights from the MLS highlights from here and that plays the ice, and I said, 
you know, I'm, we're reading off a sheet here. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't. So that's why I didn't do the Sundays. I never, I never heard from that. And the boys didn't want the boys did not want me on on a Sunday. <laughs> if I, I used to come in and say to them, I'm thinking about doing Sundays this week, and they'd be like, No, because I, I used to moan. Right. I would just moan for like an hour, saying, Oh, why are we doing this rubbish from this league, and why are we doing this? And so they just didn't have me on. One, one question I have is, is in terms of like moving to ESPN Plus, has that changed the format of the show at all, or kind of do you have more time to discuss topics, or are you still kind of keeping it tight? Uh, that's a good one. It's not changed the format per se. What it has changed, we didn't we didn't have ad breaks, or I don't think we have ad breaks at the moment. We might do. Obviously, there's no uh, at the moment when you go to Plus, there's no selling value until they can yeah. work everything out, yeah. which will be a long time. We were able to go longer for the US version, which goes obviously goes on Plus. We're able to go. I think Steve wants to keep it. Steve Pelizzi wants to keep it between. 20, 25 and 35 minutes but we do have an ability to have like if we have a really segment that's going really long we can just keep it going yeah, yeah. but we then would have to re- we'd have to redo that and I think we have to redo it anyway for our international audiences mm-hmm. which still have ad breaks and still have right. an, a, an A segment a B segment a C segment yeah. and a D segment for Australia for India for China for uh, for Africa Sub-Saharan Africa which is there's about 50 countries that were plus or the UK as well sure. so we have to fragment that show more structured uh, but the plus one has got a little bit more leeway and how long you can go mm-hmm. I mean right. yeah there's some shows you did, you've done 45 minutes I've, I've seen they, it pops up in various 28 to 48.5 yeah and during the World Cup we were going out live at 5 o'clock yeah. as you know on ESPN2 as well and then that show was also simulcast the exact same show went out in uh, UK mm-hmm. BT Sport at 10pm British time. So at the same time. So yeah. So, so that that show went to the US and the UK live during the World Cup, but then we had to redo everything for all the other uh, networks around the world because whatever we put on Plus, we're not allowed to put on ESPN Two. Right. So we, we for some reason Plus is a subscription because it's a subscription service. That show, I don't believe, could then go on ESPN Two. That's why the shows were different. That yeah. I didn't realize. Well, because that. yeah, that's worked. another thing I used to yeah. moan about. I used yeah. to say, "Why the hell are we doing two shows?" Yeah. <laughs> and because we were doing three shows and four shows by the time we put all the other continents in, and it was. And after I had finished moaning, somebody told me it's because contractually we can't use the plus show yeah. on the main network. Sure. I think it's because people are paying for it. Right. Exactly. So it has to be different. It has to be different. Have you enjoyed uh, calling these ICC games through the years? I've, yeah, I've loved doing the game because I don't get out that often now. And, and as you know from my uh, uh, broadcasting before, I was at all the games in England, um, Old Trafford and travelling around. So it, when I first moved to the US, I kind of missed that a little bit. I don't, I don't tend to miss it now. Um, but I enjoy coming to these games. I, it's two or three years now where I've travelled around. With, last year I was with Derek. I uh, done in uh, Houston for the Manchester yeah. Derby. Then I was in Santa Clara with John. Maryland with John the year before we were in the big house doing Real Madrid Chelsea was a hundred odd thousand there yeah. uh, this will be my first game because I actually took two weeks off after the World Cup uh, and then I had to change my holidays about so I uh, initially took a break so I wasn't available for any of these games so my first game will be you know I'll only be doing about three games this year one on site and two from the broadcast booths back in Bristol What's been your reaction? You, you came to this country now five years. You've been five, here five, five years. Five years, yeah. And you've seen... And I'm, st- I'm just trying to get my green card. 
Oh, wow. Yes, yeah, so I'm just we're trying. My wife keeps pointing out to me <laughs> it's taking too long. So we're in the process. It's a slow process. Yeah. So that's my. That it's a quicker process if you're an active player. You'd have your green card Would already. I? Yeah, if you were playing. Oh my god! I'd tell my wife that. <laughs> <laughs> She'd be saying, "When am I getting this bloody green card?" So I'm trying. So for any US pundits that think they're trying to get rid of me in the next six months, <laughs> maybe maybe the Donald will kick me out. I don't know, but I'm still going to be upsetting you American soccer followers for a little while yet so yeah it's been five I, I talk too much but it's been five great years I love I don't I always agree with I don't get involved in politics because I, I don't have a status here to to, to, to vote so it's not uh, but as you know I, you can have an opinion a difference of opinion on US men's national team or MLS or anything it doesn't mean you don't enjoy living in the country yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I love the lifestyle here and that's one of the reasons we made a big decision to come what, what's your, your sense post World Cup uh, crash out for the US World Cup qualifying crash out about the attitudes and the conversations we're having do you feel your opinions are being uh, uh, received better or is it the same uh, it's probably the same and I, listen I, I don't I, I've got no interest whether anybody listens to my opinion or not I'm paid to, get, I'm paid to do my job I'm never going to change. I've been doing it this way, and and what if you've said if you watched me doing the Euros the, two years ago or, or, or studio work back in England, I, I won't completely change, but I'll change the, the way I do the job for you know doing doing a studio with Bauer and Mike Tarico for a Spain France game and it's different from doing a magazine show seven days a week because it needs energy. Right. The, the, the live games will t- should take care of themselves where you can be opinionated and you can analyse it but you don't have to be as argumentative or, or as de- debating because there is a, there is a, 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 an event going on yeah. the magazine shows need energy because you haven't got either you've got no highlights you've certainly not got a live event to go around it yeah. and you're on you're pummeling it out seven days a week you can't have bland people doing that all the time. You've got to have energy, and so the, the the dynamic changes from from doing that kind of event to doing what I what I do daily. Uh, whether the American guys in particular or anybody's listening, that, that's that's not for me to say. That's that's for them to cover it in the way they want to do. It. I, I don't particularly enjoy the sort of pom pom rah rah style. It's not my style, but. If that's if that's too, and they're very passionate about their their national team, and I understand that. But listen, they're passionate in Scotland about the national team. It just so happens we're both we're both pretty hopeless at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> and and also, you find this with leagues that are having it, and, and countries that are having. In Scotland at the moment, there's a kind of fixed bayonet style of, and it happened last week. A couple of journalists, journalists criticised the the Scottish Premiership. For a player leaving to go to a club that's owned by Gary Neville, Salford City, yeah. leaving the top, yeah. one of the, well, the top in Scotland Adam to go Rooney. Adam Rooney, and a couple of journalists wrote, and I didn't read it. I just saw the headlines wrote about a disaster for Scottish football because leaving, and it, you know, I can understand that, but it was just about money for the lad, and the money's not there in Scottish football. But the bayonets come out from the, the Scottish journalist and blah blah. And, and it's kind of like that with Major League Soccer and yeah, yeah, it's it's like, there's that kind of inferiority complex yeah. and, and the bayonets come out very quickly uh, and and you know I think that, that for me from the outside that is something 
both Major League Soccer and the US national teams and those that follow they have to get over that quickly I I think because people are not doing it just for the sake of doing it they're they're doing it if it's you guys or us or whoever they're doing it because they've got something to critique yeah I'd say there's a sense of paranoia and insecurity that seeps into all the analysis and and, and all of a sudden you're just you know go go back to the Europe go back to Europe and go and you know and all that that, and that could come from people in my business it could come from somebody on Twitter that I've never met it could come from people who a journalist who they just say you, you, you bloody Scots and Brits come over here and think you can do that. it's not what, what about Twitter though because like, like now in, in this day and age you're very active on Twitter but you're hearing a whole bunch of feedback from viewers and, and listeners yeah. but prior, prior to social media when you were, were play, well I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not as active as some on Twitter okay. but I'm, I'm well, you're, you're, you're on there yeah, yeah you're I'm, on, there. I'm on there but, but as a player though you wouldn't get in that feedback loop you wouldn't get in that no. criticism unless you were playing you know, I guess the spectators yes. But, but now you're getting the kind of one-on-one I know. coming at you. Well, I, I, I don't mind. I, as you know, I'm quite thick-skinned and you give it out, you take it. I, I find Twitter quite funny and amusing. I don't, and, and, and I don't, like, I don't use Twitter as a debating tool because I'll be honest with you, I just can't be bothered. If I'm having a debate with somebody, I'd like to do it right. here. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get time to start typing out and I've got big fat thumbs yeah, and yeah. people, people, you know, Criticising you for a spelling mistake or a grammatical error, and I'm like, I can't be bothered with that. Uh, so I use it as an information tool, yeah. which I think is great, and I use it for a bit of sarcasm sometimes when people are giving you a little stick. But I, I can't imagine, from a player's perspective now, and I know that's what you're yeah. talking about, is is that know from my experience how you know I've had people, I've had my own supporters hanging over the. Uh, hanging over the, the area by the tunnel shouting I hope you die mm-hmm. because I made a mistake in the game once and this you know the week before and, it, and so we know the abuse that players can take during the period they're at the ground yeah. pre-game post-game during the game and to open to open yourself up to that which is what a lot of them are doing now right. I don't know how much they read it yeah. but I, I, I can imagine say if a Premier League player or an MLS player or an internet or whoever Raheem Sterling is probably a good example yeah. of somebody who's if somebody has a bad game or has been in the news if they go home on a Saturday night and they open up the Twitter feed they're either they've either had too many beers or they're a fool because mm-hmm. that you know that could because everybody's different you know I can laugh it off mm-hmm. I don't you know I, I can laugh off pretty much anything but some people can't yeah and, and that could that can eat away. That might eat away a player, and and you could be the best player. I always say you can be the best talented player around, but if you have no confidence, you're not going to see that talent. And Twitter could only destroy a player's talent if he's if he's insecure about that. Yeah, Chelsea teammates like Steve Clark, yeah, uh, Zola, Hulet, uh, Viali, they all went on to be managers. Yeah, uh, well, well, there's, well, there's, a, there's an exclamation mark around Rude Hullet when you say that. Yeah, but I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll get to that. Right, right, right. Dennis Wise, I'm not, I'm not, not because he dropped me in the 1997 FA Cup final, but uh, yeah, he had these. Uh, but yeah, great, I mean, great aura about yeah. the game. Yeah, and De- Dennis Wise also a bunch. They all come to mind. As I think the answer's no. Uh, what? Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah. 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 Oh, sorry. Yeah. So you you chose commentary instead of uh, yeah. following the footsteps of all your teammates, Mark. Well, some of them, Mark Hughes, and and Mark, and I never thought Mark Starkey's would go. Another, I never yeah. thought Mark would go into management. Clark is the most Clark is the most miserable man around. I don't know how he <laughs> <had> in management. <laughs> 
I saw him with his manager. He's at Kilmarnock now in Scotland, and I saw him with his manager of the month at the end of last season, and and, and I'm sure I saw him smile as he was hold, <laughs> as he was holding his uh, his trophy. Uh, why is he did it for a little while? Yeah, there's lots of the guys. Uh, Rude went to Newcastle uh, uh, and took Clarky with him. Uh, probably because Clarky was his only friend left at Chelsea at the time. <laughs> so Clarky went to Newcastle with Rude and it didn't go very well there. For me, and I was explaining this to Christopher uh, before we started this, is that I've always had a love of uh, radio and TV broadcasting. Uh, not from I was like 15, 17 years old, but from my mid-20s when I got an opportunity to go and do some radio in London when I was playing at Chelsea, to go and doing Sky TV and, and the BBC and and then I just wanted it's, it's something I wanted to do I, I wanted to go into broadcasting and, uh, and I was fortunate enough by putting myself out there when I was playing that I got an opportunity as soon as I finished playing I, the phone rang at the house one day and bang I was I, I finished in May as a player and I started in July pre-season as a broadcaster at Satanta Sports and, and I just went from there and it was a big learning curve because you know back in England you know, we do. We have the open talk back, and I remember the earpiece going in my ear, very first time, and it was open talk back to our producer and PAs, and and the guy that got me started in this business, Colin Davison, ex Sky Sports, now now working out at BN in Doha. He was kind of old school with his his talk back, so there was a lot of shouting, yeah. lots of get lots of people getting told off for like four hours while you're done, trying to do a program, and it was a big learning curve, and I just learned so much in those early years. Uh, how the graphics worked, how the EVS for the replays, working with the match director, if I'm doing a commentary, calling up angles, working with Grant Phillips, who I think, uh, his, he was at Sky with Grant Bears, Grant Phillips, who I think is one, if not the best match directors around. So working with a lot of good people, just learning a lot. Uh, and I get frustrated now, and that's another thing I was talking about, about the guys that just turn up and think they can put a, a headset on and it's just about talking are so wrong. Yeah. John, as you know, you've been talking to my friend and colleague, John Champion. John and I, when we were working, I've worked with lots of them, Crocker and Derek Ray and Bauer and Peter Drury and all these are great guys, but John and I, when we were working together, had a absolutely ingrained in us that less was more. When we were doing a commentary, less is more. And that's I've always tried to take that into a TV commentary. Not a radio. Obviously, if I'm working for BBC Five Live on a, on a on a Wednesday, it's a different commentary to working then on a TV on a Saturday. It's a complete different skill set. Uh, but I've always loved this business. I've never always loved what 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 surrounds it. But I've always loved the business. That was one of the things that Rebecca Lowe talked about was the adjustment from UK television and the talk back and just the way yeah. things are different than yeah. to, to US television. Was that a big transformation for you too? Or was it a challenge uh, adjusting to ESPN versus uh, yeah. Satanta in the UK? A little bit, Christopher. And I mean, I was writing... The other thing I was doing back in the UK, I was writing columns for... I, did, I spent about seven years at the Sunday Times. Yeah. And my columns were ghostwritten, and then I was writing the columns at the end for the News of the World and the Sunday Mail, and that was another learning curve. You know, uh, sitting, sitting on a Friday, banging my head. Oh, you guys know as well as I do. Sitting banging my head on a laptop, thinking I've got nothing. Yeah. I've got nothing. What am I going to do? And so that that was great. But, but moving over here, Christopher, the... The talk about here is keyed, so 
for those people who don't understand and that are listening to this, they can only hear the people in the control room is when they key to you, when they press the key. Yeah. In England, if you wish, and no, most people don't do it, but in England we'll go on open top back, which you can hear all the counts, you can hear them talking to the graphics truck, you can hear them you know, rollicking the the people for the replays and all that. Ordering a pizza. Yeah, everything. You can hear, I've, heard, I've heard people been sent home, I've heard people see, I've, I've heard people almost been sacked. And we're still talking about live event. We're still doing the show while this is going on in our ear. And people will say, well, why do you do that? And I'll say, well, the presenter has open talk back. And if I'm the main guest and I don't have it, and the guy who's coming in for the one-off doesn't have it, the presenter's on his own. If there's problems technically behind the scenes on a, on a three and a half, four hour broadcast, and there always is, as you know, then he has to soak all that up on his own. Mm-hmm. If I'm hearing there's problems, I can delve in, yeah. take over and start talking with the guest while he gets information to help him out. Right. And that's the difference here. It's keyed. And the, the big difference I found when I came here is that I wasn't actually hearing anything. Mm-hmm. So I'm talking to Dan Thomas and Steve Nichol, and, and I'm thinking, this is weird I can't, I've normally got people shouting in my ear yeah. you know 10, 9, 8, 7 take us to the break all this sort of and I can't hear anything and I actually found that having done what from 204 to 213 when I came here so nearly a decade of my head spinning with stuff mm-hmm. in my ears I went to silence mm-hmm. just to the odd rap right. you know just to the odd rap uh, and uh, I found that I found that weird and if I was to go back to the UK I would I think I would find it I would take me a little bit of time to go back into yeah. to that way right. again because I became accustomed to it right. almost you just sort of filter it out and what's for you is for you and what's not for you you yeah. sort of filter out when you, when you did UK television whether it was in the studio whether it was a, a co-com how stressful was it? I mean was it was it times where it was extremely stressful and you're trying to take the weight on their shoulders and whatever is happening in the studio whatever is happening in the game itself either or were the stressful moments uh, when I first started doing it it was very stressful because I was I was understanding all the talk back uh, in the last I don't know seven or eight six seven years I never really got stressed uh, we had a lot of we, I tell you, one of the times I did get stressed is when, and I don't know if you ever saw this over here, ESPN UK Premier League Studios in the end, we were using this sort of virtual reality machine. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, and it, I think it was called Arena, I think it was. Yeah, and it yeah. was like met people could move yeah, around, yeah, and, yeah, and then yeah, we, could, yeah. we could then, uh, the, the director, Dickie Day, Dickie Day, who actually came over here to work at NBC mm-hmm. for a short while on their Premier League coverage, he was our studio director. Uh, he's gone back now uh, he's been back a couple of years he's a super super director because he was a studio director because he was calm he would talk a lot to me but he was calm but but damn this bloody machine would more often than not break down just as we were going live right. and so race dubs would be thrown to me and I would have it all sorted from a couple of hours before all the analysis we were doing and as he, as Ray would throw Dickie would be in my ear saying Craig it's not working and I'm stood there with John Barnes or whoever and I'm thinking right. oh my god you know, got to fill here again, and yeah, so you. Yeah. I, I would say if that happened to me in the first couple of years, uh, Christopher, it would have been a problem. Sure. But luckily, I had a lot of experience under my belt that it wasn't such a problem. But those are kind of stressful things. Mm-hmm. But in general, no, just doing a game. No, I, I, you know, I knew I was working with John or Ian Crocker or whoever it was. Uh, I knew I was working with a good match director. I knew we had good people. Yeah. And when you got good people, you can, you can filter out the, mis- the inevitable mistakes you know from me 
and everybody else. People make mistakes, but you can we can all get on better and and make the make the uh, make it make the whole thing look better for people at home with the mistakes if you've got good people so that's less stressful sure. working working with good people is always it's like playing with good players yeah. playing with good players is less stressful than playing with poor players mm-hmm. yeah. I've, I've, I've been fortunate enough to do both and when I dropped down a little bit at the end of my career just for a couple of months that was stressful because sure. cause you go in the changing rooms and I spent a little while at Walsall just for a couple of months I don't know why I did it but I went down to help Colin Lee out the, the then manager and I, and I went in the dressing room and I, I saw I saw guys in their 20s with layers of fat and I'm thinking I'm, I've been I've been with Viale and Zola I've seen these guys in the gym two hours before training right they've done it all and I'm at Walsall and they were in the championship at the time and I'm looking at guys and they've got body fat that is it's embarrassing and I'm thinking well there lies it's not just a talent thing but there lies the difference you know working with working with poorer people is more stressful than working with, with good quality people who are willing to help you. My final question is, uh, what's your favourite golf course that you've discovered since coming to the States? Oh, no. I mean, don't talk to Steve Nichol about this because we, we, we've been playing a golf course for a long time and it's not a, it's not in very good shape at the moment and I've, I've, I've left last week to finally join a local golf course of mine. It's private, but it's not it's not inexpensive but it's not as expensive as some in the district but he's refused to come (laughs) at the moment and we're only a week deep he's refusing to come because he won't spend the money so he's left me on my own Uh, or is he loyal to that course well the course might be shot he's loyal to his wallet (laughs) he's loyal to his bank account and it's not so I'm trying to persuade him to come but there's so many I don't know so many great courses here in the US uh love to travel a bit more but then to play a lot of these courses but you know one of the reasons I came here was family I was travelling a lot in England you know working for PLP working for ESPN working for Five Live I was probably getting one day off a week because you know I was Saturday ESPN UK Sunday I would be on a commentary that you guys would get over here yeah, with, yeah. Peter, with Peter Drury or John Champion on Monday I was doing Premier League productions with Mark Pugatz looking back at the weekend Friday I was doing Premier League productions usually with James Richardson or, or, or John Dykes and a Tuesday, Wednesday or Thursday I, I would get a phone call from BBC Five Live and because because in a previous because of years ago those guys have been so good to me at BBC I didn't want to let them down so I'd invariably do a game for them midweek now that game could have been in Spain it could have been a Champions League game so, it, so the whole thing became with three kids and I was never at home basically so part of the Part of the thing here at ESPN was was I wouldn't really travel much, and I was just doing my job here. So I don't travel and see this great country as much as I would like and play golf as much as I'd like. But that was the whole reason. Even my wife even likes Connecticut winters. Wow. Yes, yeah, she's uh, she loves the seasons. Right. She loves the. Uh, Your wife is Scottish. She's Scottish. We were at school together. I don't know how I've put up with her that long, you know, or she done. She put up with me, but we we were at school together uh, back in Ayrshire in Scotland and. And uh, we made a big decision to move here. We left our oldest lad back in the UK because because of visas and stuff. He couldn't work, and so he's that was difficult. But our youngest two came with us. Uh, but she just loves the seasons here. You know, the winter's long as you know, but the, the spring is great. The summers are fantastic. The fall is beautiful. And she goes out on the trails and bikes, 
and does all that. So I've said to her about moving to Florida and stuff, but <laughs> she's like, oh, I love the, the seasons. And uh, so, yeah, no complaints. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people have got lots of complaints about me, but uh, uh, what you see is what you get. And uh, it's been an enjoyable, it's been a really enjoyable five years. Last question for me, uh, looking ahead, I mean, it's going to be here before you know it, the UEFA Nations League. Oh, yeah. So some big matches coming up in September, October, etc. Don't ask me how to explain it. No, 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 don't worry <laughs> about that. <laughs> what, what, what's, what's your understanding in terms of the level of what we can expect? I mean, do you have, do you have any thoughts in terms of is the playing level going to be as competitive as some of the major tournaments? Or is oh, no. Oh, absolutely not. But, but you know, there, there's... there's I mean, and he, I think Ian Dart was tweeting out about this during the, the, the you know, international football is not dead. Mm-hmm. You know, the World Cup has shown this, and he's absolutely right. And, yeah. and, but there is no doubt, there is no doubt, we've had a period of a lot of tedious friendlies. Yeah. It's been difficult. Sure. I mean, they are difficult games to, to watch, to cover. And I, I, somebody, I, I asked somebody about this, and I know ESPN has this League of Nations, or Nation League, whatever. I know ESPN has it, and I asked somebody the other day, Oh, explain this to me in layman's terms. Oh no, you're going to need a Wikipedia. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll take more time. But I do understand there is there are seeding issues around it, yeah. and so there is incentives for certain countries or a lot of countries to to perform. And I, and I think that may entice the managers to to or the, or the teams to try and be a, a little bit tougher on the friendlies. What it won't do is it won't distract the player who. How can I say it? Doesn't really give a toss about friendlies. It won't, it won't detract from the fact that he's probably going to have a hamstring injury or yeah. a calf injury and not going to turn up. And you do get and you do get players like that. Sure. I would have been on the mindset myself to do it sometimes when 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 I had you know when I was playing at Celtic, we we're going for a league championship, and we had a friendly against France in in Saint Etienne prior to them winning the World Cup in '98. I'm like. And all, our manager was crying out for about six of us not to go and play. Yeah. It, it, it's difficult. It won't detract from that, but it might make these so-called friendlies a little bit more enjoyable to watch. Okay. Let's hope so. Yeah. Last question, I promise on this one. Is no, that, it's fine. Um, in your playing career, you probably saw a change where international football was the highest level yep. versus club football. Yep. And that has, has changed by far, where yeah. club football is far greater than, than international football. Uh, because of the money. Because primarily right. in the Champions League, yeah. But as a player, did you see that change, that, that transition? No, no, but I can see it now. But I don't necessarily agree with it. I, I think there is an argument to have about the, what is a better standard, right. and that, that that's fine. Yeah. But from from a player's perspective, you know, I, I don't know. If somebody's ever asked. Would somebody rather win the? I mean, this might be a stupid question that I'm sort of asking and then going to answer. Would you rather win a Champions League or a World Cup? I mean, for me, there's only one thing, and it's a World Cup. Mm-hmm. But the Champions League seems to have superseded a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I can, you know, it's you know, you look at the. I mean, we're going from World Cup to FA Cup. I, I, I was growing up a trad- traditionalist. I love the FA Cup. Yeah. I played in three semi-finals. Played in the final. I was left out in another final by by, by Rude. But three semis in the mid '90s, it was the be-all and end-all. Semi-finals. I didn't like the semi-final at Wembley. One semi-final at Villa Park, one semi-final at Highbury, where we beat Wimbledon, and I always remind Robbie Earl whenever I see him, <laughs> with that great Gianfranco Zola goal, do you remember a little turn? Yeah. Uh, but for me, the FA Cup was just... Oh. Now I sit as a 
a UK guy living as a resident in the US and I'm sitting folding my arms when the FA Cup's on thinking even I'm not getting this now and, that, and, and, and Stevie Nichols the same saying FA Cup getting to an FA Cup final was the most fantastic thing I know he had those times when they were winning the European Cup in the, great, in the Halcyon days but getting to the FA Cup final for the supporter even Christopher oh, yeah. Yeah. but even for, the, even for the supporter now you kind of think it's like ugh Kind of half community shieldish about it, right? Yeah, and, that, and that's interference, that's interviews with the, the, the season, interviews with the top four, interviews. Right. We, we've seen managers leaving players out because one's interfering sure. with the other, yeah. and I, I think that's sad. Yeah, because I grew up watching it, I grew up playing in it, and and I, I think sometimes international football has gone that way. But I tell you what, give me a Champions League run or give me a World Cup. I, I play in the World Cup every day. Absolutely. I mean, give my time playing in France in '98. I mean, I, I crammed everything in. I mean, I scored, dyed my hair blonde and got sent off. I mean, it was like, we're not going to be here long, so we might as well cram it in. And for any player not to get the opportunity to go to a World Cup, whether it's because he was injured or whether it's because he's playing for a country that's not good enough, be it like Ryan Giggs playing for Wales and all that, I think that's quite sad because we've just seen how great a tournament it can be. And to be there and to experience it was... I wouldn't change it. As bad as, as, bad as we were... You know, yeah. well, we weren't bad. We narrowly lost to Brazil. It was an own goal in the boy. Brazil game. It was a great to open that tournament up, uh, as we did then against the world champions. It's changed now. It's the host, as you know. So great, great experiences, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. But the Champions League's great, but it kind of makes me a little sad how everything else filtered away right. because of it. And yeah. How do we change that down the line and will it change? I, 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 I don't know. Let me just, uh, I was said that that was my final question. This is my final question now, and I guess our final question. So speaking of that, what do you make of Cristiano hijacking your show for two or three days <laughs> during the World Cup knockout stages <laughs> yeah. to engineer his move to Juve? Because again, it, it was this club superseding yes. international thing yes. engineered by the master Ronaldo himself. Well, he, well listen, I, I, him and, I don't think we'll ever see two players of the, the ilk of Messi and Ronaldo with and you know I'm not a huge stats guy but I don't mind stats you know I just don't want to bury my analysis in a, in a bath of stats yeah. but when I look at their goals and we put Ronaldo's up in the as a graphic the other day and I kept having to look at games and goals what one's games and what one's goals going back over a 10 year period <laughs> it's like 50, one for one. Yeah, yeah, yeah 54 is that goals and I kept having to look at the top of the graphics and, it's, and I don't think we'll ever see that again from any player the, the, the consistency from those two uh, but he just loves he loves the limelight Portugal were out this big move was happening the World Cup was on and and look we all sat in there and lots of Juventus fans have come on social media and yeah you guys haven't got a clue because you said it wasn't happening and I've said well hold on Marcotti said it wasn't yeah, happening Gab was yeah, but, yeah but I know that but Gab's great <laughs> Gab, bloody Gab's great Gab knows this is the thing this is what gets me Right, and I love, and everybody has their opinion, and everybody's entitled to their opinion. Not an issue with that. And you have journalists on, you can diversify. But I love the people that come on social media and say, "Well, Raf Honigstein and Sid Lowe and Gab Marconti, they just know more about the game than you guys." And I'm thinking, I don't remember when I was facing Roberto Carlos in the '98 World Cup, thinking, "I need to phone a journalist to find out how I need." To how I need to prepare for this. You know, so people got to understand, they bring one angle and we bring another. But 
it's sometimes intertwined. Yeah. But but the Ronaldo thing was great because we all got it wrong because we never thought it would happen because he's he's, he's he's postured before and he's usually got an arm around him and he's usually got more money. Yeah. But fair play. Listen, Juventus won. It's going to be a great story and and uh, it makes Serie A. It's yeah. a bit like Steven Gerrard going to Rangers. It yeah. makes it makes the profile of Scottish football better. Sure. It raises the profile of Serie A. Serie A has been a much better league in terms of a spectacle in recent years because the teams are playing more attractive football than previous years and, and that's only that's only going to enhance that It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.